0: Episode four. I am calling you a muggle, said the voice coolly. It means that you are not a wizard. I don't know what you mean by wizard, said Frank, his voice growing steadier. All I know is I've heard enough to interest the police tonight. I have. You've done murder and you're planning more. And I'll Tell you this, too, he added, on a sudden inspiration. My wife knows I'm up here, and if I don't come back... You have no wife, said the cold voice, very quietly. Nobody knows you are here. You told nobody that you were coming. Do not lie to Lord Voldemort, Muggle, for he knows. He always knows. Is that right, said Frank roughly. Lord, is it... Well, I don't think much of your manners, my lord. Turn around and face me like a man, why don't you? But I am not a man, Muggle, said the cold voice, barely audible now over the crackling of the flames. I am much, much more than a man. However, why not? I will face you, Wormtail. Come turn my chair around. The servant gave a whimper. You heard me, Wormtail. Slowly, with his face screwed up as though he would rather have done anything than approach his master and the hearth rug where the snake lay, the small man walked forward and began to turn the chair. The snake lifted its ugly triangular head and hissed slightly as the legs of the chair snagged on its rug. And then, the chair was facing Frank, and he saw what was sitting in it. His walking stick fell to the floor with a clatter. He opened his mouth and let out a scream. He was screaming so loudly that he never heard the words, the thing in the chair spoke, as it raised a wand. There was a flash of green light, a rushing sound, and Frank Bryce crumpled. He was dead before he hit the floor. Two hundred miles away, the boy called Harry Potter woke with a start. Chapter Two The Scar Harry lay flat on his back, breathing hard as though he had been running. He had awoken from a vivid dream with his hands pressed over his face. The old scar on his forehead, which was shaped like a bolt of lightning, was burning beneath his fingers, as though someone had just pressed a white-hot wire to his skin. He sat up, one hand still on his scar, the other reaching out in the darkness for his glasses, which were on the bedside table. He put them on, and his bedroom came into clearer focus lit by a faint misty orange light that was filtering through the curtains from the street lamp outside the window. Harry ran his fingers over the scar again. It was still painful. He turned on the lamp beside him, scrambled out of the bed, crossed the room, opened his wardrobe, and peered into the mirror on the inside of the door. A skinny boy of 14 looked back at him, His bright green eyes puzzled under his untidy black hair. He examined the lightning bolt scar of his reflection more closely. It looked normal, but it was still stinging. Harry tried to recall what he had been dreaming about before he had awoken. It had seemed so real. There had been two people he knew and one he didn't. He concentrated hard, frowning trying to remember. The dim picture of a darkened room came to him. There had been a snake on a hearth rug, a small man called Peter, nicknamed Wormtail, and a cold, high voice, the voice of Lord Voldemort. Harry felt as though an ice cube had slipped down into his stomach at the very thought. He closed his eyes tightly and tried to remember what Voldemort had looked like, but it was impossible. All Harry knew was that at the moment when Voldemort's chair had swung around and he, Harry, had seen what was sitting in it, he had felt a spasm of horror which had awoken him. Or had that been the pain in his scar? And who had the old man been? For there had definitely been an old man. Harry had watched him fall to the ground. It was all becoming confused. Harry put his face into his hands, blocking out his bedroom, trying to hold on to the picture of the dimly lit room, but it was like trying to keep water in his cupped hands. The details were now trickling away as fast as he tried to hold on to them. Voldemort and Wormtail had been talking about someone they had killed, though... Harry could not remember the name, and they had been plotting to kill someone else. Him! Harry took his face out of his hands, opened his eyes, and stared around his bedroom as though expecting to see something unusual there. As it happened, there were an extraordinary number of unusual things in his room. A large wooden trunk stood open at the foot of his bed, revealing a cauldron, broomstick, black robes, and assorted spell books. Rolls of parchment littered that part of his desk that was not taken up by the large, empty cage in which his snowy owl, Hedwig, usually perched. On the floor, beside his bed, a book lay open. He had been reading it before he fell asleep the previous night. The pictures in this book were all moving Men in bright orange robes were zooming in and out of sight on broomsticks, throwing a red ball to each other. Harry walked over to this book, picked it up and watched one of the wizards score a spectacular goal by putting the ball through a 50-foot-high hoop. Then he snapped the book shut. Even Quidditch, in Harry's opinion, the best sport in the world, could not distract him at the moment. He placed flying with the cannons on his bedside table, crossed to the window, and drew back the curtains to survey the street below. Privet Drive looked exactly as a respectable suburban street would be expected to look in the early hours of Saturday morning. All the curtains were closed. As far as Harry could see through the darkness, there wasn't a living creature in sight, not even a cat. And yet... And yet, Harry went restlessly back to his bed and sat down on it, running a finger over his scar again. It wasn't the pain that bothered him. Harry was no stranger to pain and injury. He had lost all the bones from his right arm once and had them painfully regrown in a night. The same arm had been pierced by a venomous foot-long fang not long afterwards, Only last year, Harry had fallen 50 feet from an airborne broomstick. He was used to bizarre accidents and injuries. They were unavoidable if you attended Hogwarts School of Witchcraft and Wizardry and had a knack for attracting a lot of trouble. No. The thing that was bothering Harry was that the last time his scar had hurt him, it had been because Voldemort had been close by. But Voldemort couldn't be here now. The idea of Voldemort lurking in privet drive was absurd. Impossible. Harry listened closely to the silence around him. Was he half expecting to hear the creaking of a stair or the swish of a cloak? And then he jumped slightly as he heard his cousin Dudley give a tremendous grunting snore from the next room. Harry shook himself mentally. He was being stupid. There was no one in the house with him except Uncle Vernon, Aunt Petunia, and Dudley, and they were plainly still asleep, their dreams untroubled and painless. Asleep was the way Harry liked the Dursleys best. It wasn't as though they were ever any help to him awake. Uncle Vernon, Aunt Petunia, and Dudley were Harry's only living relatives. They were muggles, non-magical people, who hated and despised magic in any form, which meant that Harry was about as welcome in their house as dry rot. They had explained away Harry's long absences at Hogwarts over the last three years by telling everyone that he went to St. Brutus's Secure Center for Incurably Criminal Boys. They knew perfectly well that as an underage wizard, Harry was not allowed to use magic outside Hogwarts, but were still apt to blame him for anything that went wrong about the house. Harry had never been able to confide in them or tell them anything about his life in the wizarding world. The very idea of going to them when they awoke and telling them about his scar hurting him and about his worries about Voldemort was laughable.